I really think Ryan Murphy is the reason we have gay rights. I'm just going to say it. I think you're right. We just don't give Ryan enough credit for all he's done. Hello, welcome back to Glee on the Rocks. This is the podcast where we break down the highs and lows of the writing, the music, and the cultural impact of a network TV show that ran six seasons and ended five years ago. I am Emily. I'm Mandy. And I'm B. And this is season three, episode um, 13, Heart. It's the, uh, it's the Valentine's Day episode. Honestly, overall impression, a pretty good episode. If you took out that one plot line, it'd be <laughs> close to perfect, which is saying something for Glee. <laughs> That's our recap. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Oh, that could be about literally any episode in season three. Yeah. Sure. Or, it was fine, except for that one thing. There were two plot lines I didn't really like in it, mm. but I still enjoyed the episode overall. Okay. Twist. Well, let me quickly read the, the plot of this episode. Is as follows. In honor of Valentine's Day, Will challenges the Glee Club to find and perform the world's greatest love songs. Uh, Brad Falchuk directed this. Ryan Murphy wrote it. I'm sure there's more plot that we could like, uh, you know, the Glee Wikia had like a six page plot summary and I just could not handle that today. Um there's stuff about needing money for costumes. We'll get there. Who cares? Really, this is about the fact that these people do not understand what the world's greatest love songs are. <laughs> not I even mean, remotely. Like one. There's, I think I wrote down that there were, in my estimation, two songs that could maybe qualify in like a top 100 list of great love songs. And it's not stereo. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta have at least one top 40 hit. Gotta sell those iTunes. There were like four. Not that I'm complaining. I just think that no one really paid attention to the assignment. (laughs) Where was the Gershwin? Just think, uh, I think they didn't go to the record store this time and look for for the good old fashioned love music. I mean, the the Barry dads added better, I think. I mean, that How- was the highlight of this for me. I forgot <laughs> they were in this episode. And when they showed up, I was like, oh, my God, yeah. my favorite side characters in all of Glee. Yeah. Mr.'s Barry. The Mr.'s Barry. The Mr.'s Barry. Um, I think that's a perfect reason. I mean, we could talk about the plot, which really is that Sugar is going to throw a Valentine's Day party at what she is going to dub the Sugar Shack, and no single people are allowed. They're sad and boring, and they don't exist in my world. But really, this is an episode about Rachel's dads. Yeah. 100%. They pull focus. 100%. (laughs) (laughs) They can't help but pull focus. Hi. They are Hiram and Leroy. <laughs> Not Leroy, but Leroy. Leroy. 
uh, played by Jeff Goldblum and Brian Stokes Mitchell. And I know it's a bit of a running joke that Rachel's two dads started out as two completely different people. <laughs> yes. But how are you supposed to complain when this is your casting? Okay, major it upgrade. Like, it was a glow up. Yeah. <laughs> it was the original glow up. Yeah, because the picture from like season one, episode one is like two completely just normal looking. Yeah, they're like stock like, photo dudes. Yeah. <laughs> And um, Jeff Goldblum is anything but a normal looking stock photo dude. Nope. So that and like, all right, are there issues potentially, but let us have this. God damn it. I know nobody's perfect. <laughs> uh, except for Hiram and LeRoy. Exactly what I was going to say is exactly right. So they I, I wrote coming in clutch. Um, <laughs> on my oh my god! From. The the fucking scene that makes me think of the scene where he's talking about the car. I said, Leroy, this guy sold us the wrong lube. Huh. That's why the rubber is squeaking. That's why it feels so weird uh, when we start going really fast. But it it is it <laughs> is all a double entendre. It's yes. perfect. That line is, I think, top ten of the greatest Glee lines. Because it's funny, but also it's dirty. And that's really what we want from this show. <laughs> this guy sold guess, us the wrong lube. It was so good. I guess that's why Ryan Murphy had to write this one. He was like, I have this joke that they have to make. He's been waiting six years to tell this joke. Yes. I mean, it's, they come in saying, like, I've, I've yet to hear you sing something straight. Like their yes. whole their whole thing, and they're singing. If I'm the bottom, you're the top. Like there's, it's just a rolling punchline after hit after hit hit yeah. after hit. Um, it's great. Now, ostensibly, they are there because they have found out from uh Kurt. Right? Is that the chain of command here? They found out Kurt told someone who told the berries the father's berry that um finn and rachel have gotten engaged at the ripe old age of 16 and or 17 <laughs> and they are pretending to be happy in a long con to get the young lovers to realize that they are too fucking young to get married it doesn't work sort of it works for a bit because Rachel bit. has the most insane bedtime routine I've ever seen in my entire life. She does. Yeah. It. So the, the, the Hummels and Berries, the Hudson <laughs> Hummelberries. Hudson Hummelberries. Yeah. Hudson Hummelberries. Um, the, the dads throw a, a Valentine's Day dinner to welcome Finn to the family, but also just sort of to reverse psychology, scare the shit out of the two of them. And we discover that Rachel spends, I don't know, six hours getting ready for bed. Yes. Okay. How the fuck is it only 7.15 at the end of the episode? They had dinner. They did. <laughs> she did all of that. Yeah. Which was like shaving her legs and she like washed and conditioned, blow dried and brushed her hair and all this bullshit. And then they're like, it was 7.15. No way. No way. On God's green earth. What, did they go directly from school to dinner? I guess. I was like, I can't even they appreciate can't, the 
joke. <laughs> yeah, they can't have because first they had to scat at the piano for like six hours. Oh, wow. <laughs> right. So, so they must have gone. Show. Yeah, there was a pre-dinner <laughs> show, so maybe they went from like third period to the piano to dinner at four. So then spend three hours shaving her legs and doing everything else. And like, also, why would you shave your legs every single night? Yeah, what the fuck? You're really gonna dry out your skin and ruin your razors. That's some shit I would do in high school, though, when you're like paranoid about what other people think of you. Mm. AKA Rachel Berry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, she has like dark like hair. She's like, can't mm-hmm. let me see that. I did completely believe her anal retentive- retentiveness over her bedtime routine because it totally jives mm. with her like pilot episode. This is my routine in the morning right. of her like on the elliptical that I don't think we've ever seen again. And doing that whole thing. So it it jives, but it does not make sense that it would be 7.15 at night after that. So I think of all the plot inconsistencies in Glee, this is really the key. This is where they really fucked up. This one bothers me the most. It did. <laughs> I think this is really where... I, it's not jumping the shark. It's just not understanding the flow of writing, you know? It's like I can suspend my disbelief a lot, but when you when you put like you have put things concretely in time. They had <laughs> dinner and then she did a 50 step routine that would mm-hmm. take time. Like even if all of those routine steps took the minimum amount of time possible, there's just no way it is 715 because then they had a whole argument too. Mm-hmm. Because Finn wanted no to way. take a dump. <laughs> Did Finn get to take his dump? Also a question. Also a question. Maybe he had to use the bathroom at breadsticks. <laughs> he had to hold it. I mean, I I appreciated that they called out that these two people have never spent the night together, let alone lived together, and that getting married when you haven't lived in each other's faces is dumb. But you're 17. But they're so... 17. Yeah. And, like, yeah, it it was one of those, to me, it was another one of those, um, here's kind of a big plot point just crammed into five minutes. Like, like we know they're not going to be able to live together. They haven't even had a sleepover. Like, like, I know. It's weird when the person you're seeing has to take a dump, but let's, let's learn. Maybe that's what he gets Rachel for Christmas is an everybody poops book. (laughs) Well, like, it's especially weird with them, like, being in high school and going straight to getting married. Because, like, I'm thinking about in college, you learn to, like, share space with a person, share a bathroom with a person, sometimes with several other people. And, and, like, being annoyed by other people's routines and learning to tolerate it is an important skill. And, like, I shared a bathroom with my brothers for most of my life, but I never, like... Mm -hmm. I feel like it still wasn't the same as like going mm-hmm. to college, and like living with a roommate and experiencing that kind of conflict. Yeah. I think, I know, I know people think college is like really, it's about your education and it's about your classes. Like, no, it's really about learning how to deal with other people. Yeah. Is what college is really all about. It's the teacher you don't like, it's the classmate you can't stand and it's your roommates it, the education the the actual classwork is like third on the list of important life skills that you're going to learn 
dude, a hundred percent. Especially if you're an introvert. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh-huh. it's, yeah. Learning how to manage social energy in a way you maybe didn't, I don't know. Yeah. For me, college, college and people is a lot different than high school and people. Yeah, definitely. It's a lot. Yeah. And that <laughs> she's in high school and hasn't had to bend to anybody clearly not her dad's like there are no boundaries in this house <laughs> jesus she's an only child and she's like perfect to them like mm-hmm. she's never had conflict in the household no but you would think that by now she's learned a little conflict in the glee club <laughs> <laughs> no dr uh, mr schuster just lets her have her way honestly that's true and you should I say call it. him I'm gonna call him Doctor Schuster. Doctor Schuster. What would Mister Shoes PhD be in? <laughs> Mister Doctor Schuster. It would be in Spanish, obviously. <laughs> oh, I wish it was an education. He might be a better teacher. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think if he'd gotten a PhD in education, he would have realized he's not a good teacher. <laughs> But then he would he would then start teaching classes to little baby teachers and it would just be this endless cycle of bad ped- pedagogy. Academia. Pedagogy, yeah. <laughs> pedagogy. Like, and that's academia. You're right. Yeah, exactly. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> that's the whole thing. <laughs> he uses the Aristotelian method. I don't know. Speaking of Mr. Schuster, he is like not in this episode, and then that's fantastic. It's great, right? <laughs> He's not here at all. Love that about season two. Three. Sorry. Three. I meant three. <laughs> I was thinking of season two and trying to remember if it was the same. And I feel like it was not. There was more to Mr. Shoe in season two. There was, yeah. Yeah. Really, gets... like, gone all the way into. Like, we've also. Hey, nobody care. Yeah. For <laughs> season three, we have added uh, Blaine as a full-fledged character. Right. Um, Rory, Sebastian, Sugar uh shane sam is a full-time character like we've added all i know we make fun of like the newbies but season three also adds uh a a good handful of new characters who eat up screen time so yeah i mean part of that is because that was the big year for the glee project it Mm -hmm. was thank you for that segue too i was wondering how we were going to get there um because in this episode we meet yet another glee project member um joe joseph hart also known as samuel larson i was gonna say teen jesus oh <laughs> i thought you forgot his name after you looked it up earlier no so. i was waiting for the like <laughs> teen jesus that was mandy's line sorry it was uh, sorry. I, 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 it. Right on the line. I was too busy thinking man i really don't like him what am i gonna say about how i don't like him <laughs> <laughs> I know. God. Yeah. The way the, the the character they wrote for him too makes no goddamn sense. Mm-mm. No, it's you're just telling me you're homeschooled in a super, super religious household, but they let you get tattoos? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Dreads? No, absolutely not. I was, tattoos, which not a problem with tattoos. Uh but also I don't have a problem. No. But, but religious like, people do. 100%. Exactly. The combo of uh, not only long hair, but dreads. Uh, he has a nose ring. Yes. And tattoos. And Ain't no way this kid is 15 years old. 
He no. Like, yeah, he was like, what? So I guess that means I'm a sophomore. Like, okay, that's just for people like us who complained about never knowing what grade they were in. And it's wrong. Like, that's no a goddamn way. That's a 30 year old man. He is not a sophomore. So did you guys even watch the Glee Project? Like, did you? I, I did. Oh, no, I did not. So this one's all Mandy. What did yeah, you, I, I watched it. What did you think about these, these people who show up on season three? So we've got Rory. We've got Joe, and then Unique is going to come in later on. Like, um, there was also another one, um, Lindsay oh, yeah, Pierce. Pierce, Gerber baby, Gerber, um, Gerber baby, yeah, Gerber baby. She was also from the show. Um, the people I liked best didn't win. <laughs> Bummer. Was it Emily? One of them. I can't remember her name. I can't remember the actress's name. She's in a wheelchair and then she went mm. in. Oh, went yeah. Allie. Allie. Like, yeah. Yeah. I saw so her. She, she dated another contestant. Oh. And I'm just a sucker for my lesbians. So. Yes, I remember that. Okay, yes, yes. It's coming back. But the girl she dated is actually one of the people I liked best. Allie Stroker. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Um, they broke up. Wow, depressing. A couple of years ago. Lesbians aren't allowed to break up. (laughs) That's illegal. (laughs) But I remember liking Damien a lot, partly because for his, like, introduction into it, or or, maybe it wasn't at the beginning. Maybe it was one of the songs at the end. Anyway, he sings um, Jesse's Girl. Mm -hmm. But he gets the lyrics wrong. I remember that. I remember seeing the video. So he sings, I wish that I could be Jesse's girl. Oh, that's right. He's like, I, I wish that really I was Jesse's, Jesse's girl. Yeah. I yeah. was Jesse's yeah. girl. Yeah. 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 Um, no, the other ones, I, I I remember really enjoying it when it was on for the reality show aspect. Mm-hmm. Just immediately forgetting about each character on the show. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking through their names. Like, I don't remember any of you. I feel like oh, so, so Samuel won. That's okay. So Damien and Samuel Larson won season oh, one. They, are they both equally won? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Mr. Schuster, you always do this. <laughs> See, that's especially shitty because they were supposed to each get the same amount of episode run then, right? But Rory stays in through the whole season. Mm-hmm. So really, they decided who won. <laughs> really, yeah. they did won. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Danny Shay is the the name of the one I liked. Right. Mm, okay. Okay, it's coming back to me. I never watched it, but I remember it being on Tumblr. I mean, this was never the spinoff that people wanted. They wanted the Warblers or they wanted the Curtain Blaine Variety Hour. They didn't ask for a reality show. <laughs> Which, I mean, yeah. It, it, although this woman's name is McKinley from Paducah, Kentucky, but it's like M-C-K-Y-N. Jesus. Stop it. Oh, God. Um, McKinley. Yeah. I wonder if, like, Ryan already knew he wanted to do a newbies thing and thought maybe that would be a good way to cast them. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it definitely made me feel more attached to the newbies instead of having to get to know them. So maybe <laughs> there was some genius in there because, yeah, after... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's one more season of the Glee Project after this, and then they, yeah, they. That was it. Yeah. So. 
Man, oh, it's just really cute, Mandy. Wow. Well, the problem here is that uh, season two, Blake Jenner wins. Jake Jake Blunner. Yeah. Jake Blunner. I wasn't Blunner. gonna. Br- I was thinking of him, but I was like, don't bring him up. There's <laughs> <laughs> a deep airspace. I wonder if, like, maybe there just weren't enough people in the cast that they liked from this time around. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. They didn't keep anyone long term, right? From this season of, I mean, only the- unique. Yeah, I honestly don't remember what happens to Joe Hart. Like he doesn't come back after this season, and neither does Damien. Um, Unique comes back for the next season, mm-hmm. and she comes back again for season six. Yeah. Okay, so Unique is in it the entire way. I didn't. I mean, she like leaves for a while and then comes back because Alex Will said something on Twitter about it uh, that that he like begged for his job back or something. I don't know. It was mm-hmm. something about the Leah Michelle scandal. The scandal that keeps on giving. Whatever, just don't take time away from Sugar Mata. Yes. See, Um, I'm realizing rewatching this with you guys that I slept on Sugar Mata the first time around. I did not respect her enough. There's no wrong time to fall in love with Sugar Mata. I know. I'm just glad you're doing it. I'm just really bad at admitting when I was wrong about something. And I just wanted to take this opportunity to learn and grow and say that I was wrong about Sugar Mata (laughs) the first time I watched it. She's fucking delightful. And the the scene where she's holding the money out and like shimmying is one of the best gifts to this day. Yeah. Her, she just, I think because Vanessa is so confident as an actor at least like on screen that her stupid little mannerisms and her outrageousness just work like it's fantastic i was just saying before we started recording about an actor who seems to like the character she seems to be having fun doing this even though the shit that she says is insane and her character is banana nut she's having a good time and i think it comes across in a way that elevates the character itself I think she also fit in well with the cast. Where maybe mm-hmm. all the other newbies have, like, did not have fondness for her still, or at least that group of secondaries mm-hmm. that got along well. Right. Yep. Yep. So good for you, Vanessa. Can't pronounce your last name and I don't want to screw it up. Whatever it is. Len- Len- Lengies? Is it a hard G or a soft G? I always said Lengies with a soft yes. G, so I don't know. Well, it's GIF, not GIF. (laughs) What was the plot of this episode? Do we want to talk about, like, a a dislike or go through the good things first? And then get to the bad at the end? Um, Well, I mean, we've talked about Joe Hart and Sam Larson. Samuel? Yeah. Samuel Larson. The character is Joe Hart. The episode is called Hart. Is that a coincidence? I don't fucking know. But he... I think no. He has arrived at McKinley for reasons no one cares about and joins the God Squad because he is highly religious. And the God Squad is doing, what do they call it? Vocal Valentines, I think. Which I don't know if that was a thing at your high school. But yeah. you can no. send, <laughs> oh God, I would have died of embarrassment. But you can send a vocal valentine to your sweetie in school and disrupt classes. Um, and 
yeah. You know, they're, uh, I, so the conflict here is that Santana wants to send a vocal Valentine to Brittany and they have to have some sort of conversation about whether or not a Jesus based organization should participate in, uh, in a gay song. Even What's though amazing th- is that. Sorry. No, even though three of them are in the Glee Club, like, well, they say that they're like, we're three of us are in Glee Club, so we basically sing in front of gay people all the time. <laughs> like this to me. So I did a quick read. Samuel Larson is religious, and the reason, and one thing that Ryan Murphy liked during the Glee project is that he's religious and also an actor. So just put that right into the character, which is boring. When you just excuse me, um, Glee is not a documentary. <laughs> Glee, no. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Take that shit out. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> Edit, cut, strike. <laughs> Never. He didn't outward, didn't didn't straight up just say that he liked that part of the actor and put it into the. Ryan Murphy would never admit. Never. Uh, so since that didn't happen, the character of Joe Lar- Joe Larson, <laughs> Joe Larson, why not? <laughs> Joe Hart just happens to be religious and also uh, gonna potentially have an issue with singing to the gays and the god squad has to have a really dumb conversation about the bible versus homosexuality what i really love about this plot is that santana asked them out of total spite Mm -hmm. that Biggins was like, someone complained about you kissing in the hallway because of their religious freedom. And she was like, oh, bet you guys yeah. are a Christian group singing. Why don't you? <laughs> yep. I'll put my $10 in the ring to make you guys fucking put up or shut up. Mm-hmm. I love that about her. I, I do guess. too. I also do things out of spite. So I just, I really appreciated where she was coming from there. It just, it did feel like uh, a chance for ryan to get up on some weird bully pulpit and say but there's room for religion and gays at the same time like yeah you're not gonna solve the divide here between religion and sexuality well you know what this was way before like marriage equality or any of that (laughs) so i really think ryan murphy is the reason we have gay rights i'm just gonna say it i you know what i think you're right we just don't Ryan. give Brian enough credit for all he's done. <laughs> I think six seasons of Glee in that one season of the new normal. And he solved gay rights. Wow. He gave us rights. Wow. <laughs> that, you know, we shit on him a lot, but I salute. Because he's Brian Murphy, if we piss him off, he will take them away again. <laughs> <laughs> he reserves that right. He does. So keep those American Horror Story ratings up to par up to 0.5 you guys there's so many fucking seasons of that show i was looking at it on netflix i I, I was bugging the upside is though there's only 10 episodes a season true (laughs) so you don't have to watch all 22 who would want to honestly ryan murphy keep a show together for 22 episodes never oh no we watch glee we know what happens (laughs) we know we know um so the conflict, the the religious conflict that has been occurring for, uh, I don't know, 2000 years, 2020 years, 
it's <laughs> solved in 42 minutes and uh, they sing Santana a song in the uh, courtyard. Sugar, sugar Shack. So I, I do need to bitch about this a little bit first, though. I really resent the fact that, that the way this show, like, chose to, like, show the conflict was by taking these people who have gay friends, like Sam, Quinn, Mercedes, all good friends with, well, eventually will be good friends <laughs> with and Blaine. Mm -hmm. They don't have any problem singing to or with them in class, but when they get together and be like, oh, wait, we're religious people, mm -hmm. and Mercedes even specifically says because her church will be there, uh, we have to decide if we can actually tolerate them or not enough to sing to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've been friends for three years, but now we have to think about it. Yeah, I don't know. It just reminded me so much of like the act. I live in the Bible Belt. Hmm. There are a lot of people that will privately be your friend, but when it comes to having to like acknowledge your sexuality, suddenly, eh, no. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I also like that they had to make this decision locked away in a room talking to only themselves. Instead yeah. of like widening the convert, like, you know what, we three will figure this out on our own instead of broadening our horizons, which haven't been an issue for us this entire time. But you know what? There was someone who sent us an ask on Tumblr about wanting us to talk about Faberi, which I was not when Quinn, when he's like, I've never met anyone who's gay, which I had also technically never met anyone who was gay at that age, but I definitely had, you know what I mean? Yep. But anyways, Quinn goes, oh, you definitely have. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. Are you so sure, Quinn for Bray? Mm -hmm. I totally get why people were shipping it. Yeah. I think the Faberi, it's cute. And partly because Quinn and Rachel have actually had some like deeper conversations than other care like they've, yeah. they've worked out some shit together and that is the basis of many relationships on tv shows and potentially in real life who knows um i don't know do you talk to your wife about important things often so <laughs> at our sample size of one it seems <laughs> that having um emotional conversations with somebody maybe brings you closer to them I feel like like the writers would never have gone in that direction because there were just too many other love interests for both of them. Mm -hmm. There are. And that was like, I feel like mostly that was just like not in mind for them for Rachel. And that's the most important thing. And like what we, yeah, sure. This whole show revolves around what we want for Rachel. So, but I think it would have been really interesting. And, you know, spoilers, like <laughs> later when Quinn does hook up with Santana, I think it totally makes sense. Yeah, and like I'm, I'm sure. Spoiler again, I'm sure they thought that that little aside of like Quinn and Santana hooking up was just a joke. But I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, I think for most people watching the show, it was a little less of a joke and more of a, huh? All right, cool. We see you. But you know what? The as stupid as the whole religious conflict over being gay thing plotline is, that was a huge topic of conversation in that time and space. And honestly, is in some ways a conversation again right now, unfortunately, with like yeah. the Thomas Alito Supreme Court opinion, you know, talking about how Obergefell has led to religious discrimination basically against people who don't 
who who like being gay is against their religious beliefs so they can't like provide services it's a it's such bullshit but like that's literally what we're going through in our country right now again so i am so fascinated by people in a predominant worldwide religion who claim discrimination yeah and i i'm you know they can use the word discrimination and what they like instead of parsing out that they're using the wrong word or not that they they feel like the world is against them like but you you're on the top of the food chain you know that right like catholics and white christians don't get to feel discriminated especially in this country where we've only had one catholic president as if Catholicism is somehow vastly different from Christianity. We're about to have two, bitch. Joe Biden 2020. Joe Biden 2020. Um, like, people are are actually worried that the president who might be Catholic might hold the Pope first in line to country. Like, uh, So arguments about people who are religious, who claim discrimination because they don't want to they don't want to serve somebody who goes against their religion. Like, you know, that that's the discrimination is that you are not serving them. Like, you get that, right? It's not. I think it was in um, uh, What the Constitution Means to Me, the, the play, where she talks about how in the Constitution there are positive rights and negative rights, where the Constitution infers upon you the right to something or it protects you from something Mm. and religious people seem to think that they have no positive rights, but, but they, all of them are positive rights to them. No one has ever forced a religious person to do something the way uh, non-religious people get forced into the predominant religion, if that makes sense. Which is to me like the easiest, which is so off topic for Glee, but the easiest example for me is abortion, where you don't, you never have to have an abortion. You know that, right? Like if you are anti-abortion, you just don't get one. Like, why do you get to tell someone else what they can or cannot do when you don't want to be told that you can't tell somebody they can or cannot do something? Like where... Where's the logic? Oh, well, right. It's is, not there. When Roe versus right, Wade was passed, like there was bipartisan support. I know. It's so crazy. it's easy. Everything that you're saying goes back to what people hear every Sunday when they're sitting in the pews. Yeah. It's also the evangelical side and less just, yeah. you know. No, yeah. Like it's definitely Lutherans like. Don't give a fuck. People go to church and they do not critically think. No. Well, first of all, we go to school and we don't critically think because our modern school system was to turn out factory workers. It really? So, was. like, elementary, middle, high school students are not learning to critically think. Then they go to church on Sunday and they don't critically think about what they're being told. Nope. And if you do critically think, then you leave. So, all that are like, you know, yeah. anyone who's defect- defected from the church. And so all that's left are people who genuinely want to be oppressed. They mm-hmm. want to be oppressed so fucking bad. And I remember being a kid in church and hearing them say, like, you need to put on your spiritual armor. And the spiritual mm-hmm. warfare out there is going to corrupt you. And, like, like, yeah, it's straight up indoctrination. It is it's indoctrination. Horrifying. Horrifying. And it it's this very, like, uh, 
reverse persecution maybe like everyone's out mm-hmm. to get me so i have to get everybody else like mm-hmm. like the crusaders were not protecting anybody like what are you fucking doing stop it you are just raping and pillaging no we're out to defend christianity like no you're not you're just waging war and it's like that mentality just shrinks itself down into individual action here of if i sing a song to a lesbian in a high school then christianity is dead is it is this the is this the battle right here is this what this one is the hill you're gonna die on is a telegram singing telegram the brainwashing part of it is that everything is supposed to be the battle when you were supposed to see a battle in starbucks cups oh god happy holidays and Anyone asking you to do anything that your yeah. cult, I mean, church. <laughs> I, it's nuts. Yeah. It's just, it's. It goes back to that whole, like, have you read the article on um, Mormonism and. Or is it. That one article on Mormonism. I don't know. Basically, like, talking about how doing Christian outreach is not supposed to help you recruit new people into the religion it's supposed to make you feel alienated when they're not nice to you for walking mm. out on their door right. and then you go back to the people who are nice to you who are your church people and it just makes you feel even closer to them mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i did read that recently that was so crazy i'd never thought yeah. of it like that yeah i hadn't either also like biblically the church is just people it's not a building but like that's cool whatever <laughs> when I wouldn't want to bring like the actual text of a book that was written by like 600 people over the course of two millennia, but that's fine. It's cool. I can say that I have a degree. You know, I kind of wish in some ways that like, I mean, obviously they couldn't because Samuel Larson already signed a contract, but I almost wished this plot had ended with with Joe Hart being like, sorry, I can't do this. And the other three people in God's Squad being like, fuck you. That's not my yeah. religion. So we're going to do it without you. That would have been super interesting. You're right. Yeah. Because these things don't. Like I, yeah. Because these things don't always end with kumbaya. Right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it ends with someone saying that they can't and won't change their mind. Especially now. <laughs> And that yeah. shouldn't change, like, Santana and Britney's happiness, you know? No. Like, I'm just so tired of movies where it's always so apologetic for people who are fucking bigots and abusers and narcissists. Like, fuck that, man. Where the hurt is put on the oppressor and not on the person they're oppressing. Yeah. Like, shouldn't we or feel like- bad that Santana has to feel like she can't send a telegram to her girlfriend and not? Like, oh, I wonder how joe feels about this like i don't give a fuck how joe feels about this i I would rather have had a scene where like kurt and blaine and santana talk about how shitty it is Mm -hmm. these people that they've been friends with for three years Mm -hmm. had to think about it yeah yeah no yes you're right because the reaction should have been from santana or from quinn and mercedes especially just being like yeah no we're gonna do this obviously like why is this a question The fact, and that that's what I wrote in my notes You're about right. the scene. Like, You're right, the rest the of this conversation doesn't right. matter. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, that's the key point. Yes, you're right. You're right, Mandy. I will take my rightness and wear it with pride. 
takes me 60 minutes to say something and you're just like, well, actually it's like this. Like, yeah, it is. (laughs) You're right. (sighs) Well, speaking of Mercedes, is that a segue? (laughs) Um, We have our Sam Sadie section of the episode. Um, where someone in the Glee Club feels guilt about hurting someone else's feelings. Didn't know they were capable of that. I know. <laughs> First and only time. I know. Um, so Sam is clearly still gunning for Mercedes, and she uh, tells him that she told Shane about their summer fling. And uh, she straight up acknowledges that she was a stone-cold teenager to shane uh but also says that she can't just jump over and be with sam which i thought was interestingly nuanced for this show see it's it's weird because it's nuanced and i appreciate it i like it a lot but also it's a sign that the writers didn't give too much of a fuck about this storyline because the things the writers care about get treated so horribly like it would have been a long drawn out thing (laughs) right we're like Sam with like Rachel and Finn or something. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I'm like, I like it, but also it makes me bitter because I'm like, you didn't do this on purpose. You did this accidentally. Yeah. You accidentally made another good story. Yep. That's really the only way Glee can do it. So it's it's Mike O'Malley syndrome. <laughs> or that good because they didn't, you know, have enough of him to, to screw up. To screw up, yeah. No, that's right. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, (laughs) in my notes, I wrote, uh, that I was not vibing on Sam Sadie's the first time around, but now I am. Yeah, I I actually enjoyed it a lot. And I, again, this, we're now like six some episodes into a story arc. Like. I also, yeah, I forgot that they got this much screen time. Me too. It might have been like just me the first time watching it again, having like plain eyes which i'm not gonna say i regret because i really enjoyed being part of that fandom when it was still good (laughs) but it is it is nice to like give a shit about other characters now yeah no it is and to be able to focus on them like santana and Brittany were so fucking cute in this episode and i never got that before i know i just didn't i i liked it but i wasn't i was so myopic um about clean that, that one look that Brittany and santana share during home oh um, i actually paused and played it i know it was so, so sweet so cute what how dumb were we <laughs> and like their outfits at the end at the sugar shack and they're so cute yeah, and cuddly they and like, cute. Oh. they're doing like the hand thing with the knuckles like it's adorable it really really is um you know, we've completely glossed over the songs that they've been singing to each other, but I suppose we could we could wrap up plot and just critique the music. I was going to mention, because we brought up um, Sam Sadie's, like, um, oh my God, Amber Riley singing I Will Always Love You. both 
Like there's Dolly Parton, then there's Whitney Houston, then there's Amber Riley's version. Like these are the yeah. defining yep. versions of this fucking song. And Ugh, there's no one else. Things. And there's no one else. Like, yeah, I know. And I was so glad that there was no bullshit fight between Sam, um, Rachel and Mercedes over who got to sing the song. Yes. Like it wasn't even a question for, and hopefully that that held true for Ryan Murphy, where he wasn't like, well, maybe Leah should sing it. Like, no, yeah, no, no, no. There is one person on this show and one person only. And she did it. And she looked amazing doing it. Like she looked. Yeah, she got the looked, fantasy sequence. With yeah, the exactly. Like the movie star oh look. Mm-hmm. Another interesting song moment is that <laughs> Tina and Mike just randomly get <laughs> a beautiful duet. That's really sweet and fun. They do. Yeah. No other plot line. Mm-mm. Just one really nice duet. Yep. Yep. That's one of the songs where I was like, well, I guess this might be considered uh, one of the world's better love songs because it's classic. Yeah, L-O-V-E, right? Yeah, yeah, Nat King Cole, I think. I mean, I enjoyed that. I have already forgotten that they did that in the episode, though. (laughs) But they didn't even really get a whole scene because it was intercut with, like, the Rory versus Artie. Uh-huh. Like heart battle that was happening which by the way fuck rory for lying <laughs> i know go on a date trash and i i had forgotten what his storyline was anyway he was like oh, i have to go back to ireland and i was like oh i guess maybe this is the end of his arc and i just don't remember like oh that's his contract up and then he was like ah i'm lying to you like fuck that's right what a creep no, see, I thought that too, but then he was like, oh no, at the end of the school uh-huh. year, I have to go back. And I'm like, dude, it's fucking February. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, we're assuming that. Yeah. Buble. And again, he did not do the assignment. <laughs> yeah, definitely not one of the world's greatest love songs. What? And like, looking at you, Artie, you know that that's not one of the world's greatest love songs. As if you couldn't have found. He did the Let Me Love You. You should let yeah. me love you. They I, love to give him boy band songs. I know. Or like R and B, R and B. Which what is fine. Movie? It sounds it sounds great. It was fun. Um, I was weirdly drawn to Chris dancing in this one. He like yes. I, he's always very awkward. No offense to the Chris dance, but like small offense. He I take it looked offense. like he was having fun in this one. <laughs> Like, yeah. he was kind of grooving to it. And I was like, oh, someone's having a good day on set. I mean, I feel like season three may have been Chris's, like, golden era of Glee. I think mm-hmm. so, too, actually. I mean, he had good storylines. He had a... Except for this one. Love interest, well, except for this one. Um, he had a love interest. And he wasn't being threatened to, like, ship off to Russia yet. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Oh, boy. Yeah, no, I I would agree, and we could do I don't know like a six hour episode on Chris yeah. and Glee, um, but I I think I think these were song choices that were in part to get the listeners, you know, get the get the streams, get the downloads, um, because yeah, it was they were a very music heavy episode. It was a music heavy episode, and 
there were better songs. Like there's a there's a big love song catalog in the world. They could have. Okay, I'm not gonna lie though. Stereo Hearts was fun. Was it good? No. Is it objectively <laughs> a good song? No. But they had fun, and I thought the four of them singing together, like Sam, Joe, Mercedes, and Quinn, was interesting. Yes, I I wrote somewhere that I was like, that's not bad. Yeah, it's good. Um, and I also did write uh, that for some reason the people in the courtyard seem to enjoy this performance when normally they're like throwing things at the Glee Club. It depends on the week. I guess it Do depends on. We hate the Glee Club. Yeah, who the extras are that week. Or I guess it wasn't the Glee Club. It was so maybe it's the, the God, God Squad. Really religious, and they oh, love the God Squad. Oh, you know, that's that that tracks. I think. <laughs> I think that I sounds think right. One of my all-time favorite like glee changes to a song. Like there's a few that I really like, you know, where they redo the lyrics. I bet I can guess. Oh, you know, when he says yeah. Trout can handle that. Yep. Uh yep. <laughs> uh, instead of I trabby, wanted you to rap it. Oh, I couldn't remember the line. Wait, let me look it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When that happened, I was like, oh my god, that's right. Trouty mouth. Oh yeah. Like, read it well, check it, Trouty, I can handle that. That one. Yep. <laughs> Peak Glee. It's a good, it's, it's a pretty good episode, but the only plot is, like, plots I don't like. Like, I don't care about Finn and Rachel getting married. Mm-hmm. Love Rachel's dads, but I don't give a fuck about them getting married. Uh-huh. Uh, fuck the Karofsky storyline, which yes. we haven't even talked about yet, mm-hmm. because it sucks. And only Blaine appearing with a heart-shaped eye patch could yes. could revive the episode after that. It was like, yeah, we have been ignoring uh, a key plot here, and that is um, that Karofsky is a stalker and did not need to return to the show. No offense, Max Adler, it's not your fault. But like, poor Kurt spends this entire fucking episode thinking that his mortally injured boyfriend is sending him secret admirer valentines and he's all happy and giddy about it it's super cute and there's like a gorilla gram which is creepy but like mckinley's creepy so i i, I just bought it i was like sure they would do this and no god squad singing gorilla yeah gram, i don't know yeah sure but now it's fucking karofsky and I can, who, I was, who, by the way, goes to a different high school. He goes to a like, different school. Yeah. Sneaking into fucking McKinley and leaving <laughs> stalker cards in his locker. Someone who has a boyfriend who you, which Kurt rightfully kind of illuminates, but um, has a boyfriend who you stalked, visit, uh, physically and verbally assaulted, and hurt and you think that because you've had a good couple months at your new school that you should you're in love with Kurt like what I and knowing what happens with Karofsky later too is like what why what who's fucking Max Adler like why is he continuously coming back and again no offense no fault to Max decent actor I guess seems to be a nice person but you know we should do an episode just breaking down like Karofsky's storyline this season. Not that we want to do that, but mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense because it's like they saw him at Scandals and that was the perfect end to perfect. Karofsky's role yeah. on this show. It yeah, it was. 
but Ryan Murphy and Ian and Brad are just like, you know what we need on this show? More gay pain. We already had Santana come out yeah. to her grandmother and uh-huh. get rejected. Let's just add on top. Let's put some more in there. Like, fuck you, dude. How and three gay guys put this show together. I get angry about it on Max Adler's behalf a little bit too. Or like yeah. on behalf of every like, I don't know, non- I don't know a better word for this. So I'm just going to say non-twinky, pretty gay guy. <laughs> yes. Like, I get it though. No, I mean, Kurt and Blaine get their happy ending. Mm-hmm. But Karofsky just keeps, as much as I hate him coming back, I kind of hate just as much that every time he comes back, it's just to get hurt again. Right. Right. Yes. Uh huh. Just kind of shitty of them to do to him as a character. Even aside from me not liking the other things they do with his character eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there are other queer characters on this show to explore. Why this one and only to make him feel bad? Like you have, you have, uh, I don't know, one, two, I uh, can't count that quickly, but you, you have main characters who are queer who deserve extended storylines that can include angst and hurt comfort and all our little fic tropes. Like you don't have to bring in a guest star to continuously do this. And someone who was physically violent at <laughs> the main character. Yeah. Like that's the fucking cherry uh, on top. Uh, like, this is Kurt abuser. Yes. Who can manage to find some sort of closure and amicableness mm-hmm. with. Really, you just gotta keep and it doesn't Just end here. Keep shoving it. Yeah. Yeah. There are shittier things that happened this season, I think. Oh. But I'm just like, I'm, I'm preemptively pissed off that we're going to have to watch and talk about because I know we're going to all have a lot of feelings of anger. I and know. You know. Everything towards the writing staff. Here's the other question that I have is was this decision to bring Karofsky back for this episode? because Darren wasn't there or if Blaine if Darren hadn't taken the time off and Blaine was in the episode would Karofsky still have been hitting on Kurt with Blaine right there or was this just like oh Darren's gone how else are we gonna fuck this up like couldn't which which came first Broadway or a bad plot well obviously this episode was a setup to the next episode about the Karofsky plot which might be the next episode Mm, that requires planning ahead and i didn't, I didn't yes on my way is the next one. Oh, fuck uh, that episode god damn it i'm not yeah. ready okay so that's extra dumb because finn and rachel in this episode we're like we're getting married in may but then don't they get married in the next well they episode? go to the they go to the courthouse and then the thing happens but yes yeah, so they go to a courthouse i can't remember if they like jump the gun though yeah can't remember i'm just looking at the stills from this episode and i'm already mad except for the music music's good that's the sigh of a glee fan who's already done like (laughs) you know so uh i think i'm gonna skip this episode you guys talk about it and i'll be back for the next one Uh, we'll get a guest star who wants to guest and talk about the (laughs) fucking episode on my way god fuck that episode um yes kurt and (laughs) karofsky 
Uh, full full offense to Kurtovsky fans. Full offense. Full offense. Um, <laughs> cannot with you. So, so, if any of them are listening and want to come on, yeah, if you, you would, yeah, we have a mini series just for you. That's my ship, and you get to come on and you get to explain yourselves, and you'll get. By the way, I've got our mini series on Patreon. <laughs> That's my. That's my ship. You get twenty to forty minutes to explain yourselves. So if there's a Kurtovsky person out there, call us, but not on the phone because we won't answer. <laughs> um. So yeah. So poor Kurt thinks it's Blaine. It's not Blaine. It's his abuser, and it sucks. And he uh, he goes to the Sugar Shack Valentine's Day party, still expecting to be alone. Until the beat drops and there be Blaine. After a long episode and a half <laughs> absence. Yes. And his eye patch. Cute. What is um, Sugar says? Back from the dead and cute and compact as ever. Which, cute and compact yeah, as ever. I thought was cute. Personally. Um, Love Shaq. Love Shack is amazing. As usual, I am a sucker for a group song. It's a really good group number. And it's such a cute group song. Yeah. And it's a claim song. I will go down fighting. No, no, if anybody I agree. says it's not. Yeah. I mean, the tie, the tie grab alone makes it a claim song. But you know what pissed me off the most? I just saw on Wikipedia that this was the first episode where Santana and Brittany kissed on screen. Really? what it says i did not realize that i feel like i've seen them kiss in my mind before this (laughs) i feel like there was one where britney was kissing like her neck or something but Mm. this was the first time they were like kissing mouth to mouth but there is obviously a clean kiss that is edited out right when blaine goes over and by the tie there's this weird awkward cutaway to the crowd and then back and i'm like Mm -hmm. they they fucking edited out a kiss 100 percent, and it probably was at the last minute because the editing is so fucking shitty Mm -hmm. and just think i know clean kisses that have been lost on the cutting room floor wow i that would have made Right. I don't want to say I think about it a lot, but I do think about it a lot. I think about I it a lot. It makes me angry that it, it seems like a situation where they were like, well, you got to pick a gay. Right. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Gay. One or the other. I'm sure that's exactly what happened. Which is, Fucking yeah. It, it's, I know. It's going to be like, it's 2012. It was a different time. Like, that's not that fucking long ago. Yeah, I know. No. Like, give us the clean kit. Like, someone out there has that footage, too. It's just sitting on Darren's phone, and (laughs) I want it. (laughs) Like the ice skating rink. I want it. Yeah. Give it to me. Um, But it's a cute number. He leads a Congo line. And he gets to say, knock a little louder, sugar. And then she knocks, and it's 
so good. It's, this was one of those group numbers where it looked like absolutely everyone was having a blast. It also looked like, at least as far as like Chris and Darren go, it was solidly Chris and Darren. Yes. 100%. I think I said something like that I was having some uh, some surprise Chris Golfer feels watching the Love Shack song. But yeah, I had like uh, some weird Chris Golfer feels watching, especially when the two of them were on stage. Mm-hmm. And part like B was just saying is that it, it was not Kurt and Blaine. It was Chris and Darren like having fun on stage and feeling physically comfortable with each other in a way that kind of stops happening and i can connect it to supernatural i'm not gonna bother but in that way that fandom shipping i think sometimes can affect the actors when they let it and i think chris and darren let fandom shipping affect them and their takes on the character in a negative way where it didn't Mm -hmm. have to be like well there people are people take shipping so seriously and they tweeted at the actors and it made them uncomfortable like you you can't make any like they made it awkward by you don't want to blame the victim here and it's a very complicated topic as we know shipping and rpf and all that and everyone has different opinions and that's fine but i think it is somewhat on the actor's to come to an understanding with their fandom and part of that is to just fucking ignore it (laughs) and they didn't it definitely i don't know they had the disadvantage of being in the first generation of tv shows with a twitter audience that is true i'll give them that yeah i'll cut them that slack i don't think i mean poor jared Jensen and Misha have also come up through that generation, but they had to get used to mm-hmm. it because their show has been on since the beginning of fucking time. Yes. So they kind of had to adapt. First there was the firmament, and then there was Supernatural. Yeah. <laughs> the lands on the sea and the animals and then uh, Dean Winchester arose. Yeah. No, that that is fair. I just think that I the physical comfort of that scene with like the arm of the shoulder and leaning and the stuff that was cut and like, you know, we can get into the ship, but like Darren had been gone for a couple weeks. First scene back. Like, I don't know. I'm just saying that that performance is more fun and more loose than some of their other ones. And I think it's noticeable. And that's all I have to say about that. I agree with that. And for a dollar, I'll tell you what I really think of Chris Colfer. <laughs> this is a Chris Colfer stand account forever. You can't turn it off. <laughs> it's there. true. It's true. Um, you think out, Darren films a whole video of him <laughs> talking animatedly yeah. and passionately about Chris, and oh, you get dragged right back in. Just like it just. It, it just comes right back Celine Dion style and um, <laughs> there's no escape. Us about Chris Culver. Wow. There's a TikTok idea. There you go. That's on you, man. I don't, I don't face. Mm, follow us on TikTok. Uh, there's zero content there, but <laughs> I had some followers. I might create them. I'm just kidding. I, it's because I have four jobs. I would love to be on there with the kids.
Um, anyway, the episode. What are? <laughs> oh, we uh, never fin- did we talk about all the music? I feel like we did. Um, yeah, yeah, basically. I mean, oh, so I thought Cherish was cute. The Cherish Cherish combo. I like it. I think it sounds great. I felt like it didn't really hit as well as some of the other numbers. It was kind of, you know, they weren't like popular songs at the time. You know, (laughs) it was white bread. Like, not like, not like capital W white, but like, but like white bread. Like like bland. Yeah. Yeah, It was just like, meh. Okay. Thank you. Next. But it was for, um, you know, the Britannia of it all. So that is true. Mm -hmm. Um, hmm. What if we, um, uh, Rachel and Finn decide that they are fine getting married in May? Uh, and I think that's everything. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. At 7.15 p.m. they decide. <laughs> <laughs> at 7.15. So here's the other thing. Rachel did all of her nighttime routine and then showed up at breadsticks with a full face of makeup and hair. So now yeah. she's going to have to do that all over again. Yeah, she was in bed with Finn yeah. with mysteriously a full face of makeup and beautiful hair. Yeah. Just bullshit. I know. The Kevin um, mix scale. How's Kev? How's Kev Kev? Um, I mean, he had some lines, but... He had a storyline. Yeah. It was quite funny when he kept having to go to like the trash can uh, yeah. to get. Yeah. Is that like a four? Because he got um, a song and a storyline. Yeah, I feel like that's a four. Yeah, he just didn't have like the key lines that sometimes he gets. Yeah, he, yeah. and he definitely wasn't like the A plot, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like that's not a five. But Excellent. good job, Kev. Good, good job, Kev. Uh, the claim decks. It's a hard one because. Darren was oh, on Blaine's way. Because Blaine's not there. Yeah. Um, like, there's not much of it, but what there, what there is, like, in the episode is, is so good. Yeah, yes. and, and Kurt thought he was getting cards from Blaine the whole time. Yeah, you could did. argue that there is a lot of claim mm-hmm. throughout the episode. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't end badly. It's not like Blaine yeah. is like, oh, right, Valentine's Day, that's a thing that you liked, and I don't, you know. So it's like a seven. Seven for content. I feel like I feel like eight. Honestly, eight? like they don't they don't get many songs. Like if no. if Artie was a four out of five, they're a four out of five too. Okay, I'm gonna say the tie pulling makes it an eight for me. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I get that. <laughs> and the little shimmy, and the phantom, and the lost kiss, the lost kiss, and our coulda shoulda woulda, coulda shoulda woulda never had that fucking gorilla gram. Yeah, fuck that. Also, would have just had the um, the whole Christian storyline be told from the other side of it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. There should have so been like the same storyline, but just Santana, Kurt, and I don't know, maybe Blaine over the phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or just Kurt and Santana. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did they yep. have FaceTime back then? I don't know. Um, I think they were still texting on like the keypad. So <laughs> Mandy's headcanon of how that should have gone is way better than anything Glee could ever write. So. It's true. We stand. I've sighed <laughs> a lot this episode. Sorry. Cut, cut it all out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in my field today. Uh, next time on Chris Colfer. That's right. <laughs>
<laughs> Wait, so coulda, shoulda, woulda is like a... Um, I'm saying fuck the gorilla gram, but also the, the Christian storyline. Yeah. I haven't I feel been like putting numbers in. I've just been like... You know what? I think that's fine because yeah. a hundred point scale is hard. It's really hard yeah. and I was forgetting to and now I've decided to make it a conscientious choice. Okay. I love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> needs to have numbers. Exactly. Fuck that. It's 2020 still. Um, cool. I think that's, I think that's the show. Right? <laughs> sure. I'm going to run out of laptop battery, so it has to be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the next time on Glee and Glee on the Rocks, we're doing On My Way. And if that phrase doesn't give you PTSD, you probably didn't watch the show the first time around. Wow. The nightmares. The nightmares. And you know what? Can't I think uh, I'm. Hmm? I said I can't wait to unpack that with you guys. Just unpack our trauma. Just <laughs> have a little <laughs> therapy sesh. That's every episode of the Glee on the Rocks for me. So it honestly yeah. is. Yeah. Um, thank you for listening. You can follow us on all of the socials at the same URL because we're cool like that. And um, you can check out our Patreon for extra content like mini episodes and other mini episodes, <laughs> including uh, the new series that we talked about. That's my ship. Uh, great. Thank you uh, for listening this entire time. If you're still here, um, bonus points to you. And that's what you missed on. Uh, Glee? I don't know. I don't have another one. Glee.